Section 50 of The Man Who Loves by Victor Hugo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maxim Babich from Desnogorsk. The Man Who Loves by Victor Hugo. Part 2. Book the Second. Gwynplaine and Dia. Chapter 4. Well-matched lovers. Ursus, being a philosopher, understood. He approved of the fascination of Dia. He said, The blind see the invisible. He said, Conscience is vision. Then, looking at Gwynplaine, he murmured, Semi-monster, but demigod. Gwynplaine, on the other hand, was madly in love with Dia. There is the invisible eye, the spirit, and the visible eye, the pupil. He saw her with the visible eye. Dia was dazzled by the ideal, Gwynplaine by the real. Gwynplaine was not ugly, he was frightful. He saw his contrast before him. In proportion as he was terrible, Dia was sweet. He was horror. She was grace. Dia was his dream. She seemed a vision scarcely embodied. There was, in her whole person, in her Grecian form, in her fine and supple figure, swaying like a reed, in her shoulders, on which might have been invisible wings, in the modest curves which indicated her sex, to the soul rather than to the senses, in her fairness, which amounted almost to transparency, in the august and reserved serenity of her look, divinely shut out from earth, in the sacred innocence of her smile. She was almost an angel, and yet just a woman. Gwynplaine, we have said, compared himself and compared Dia. His existence, such as it was, was the result of a double and unheard-of choice. It was the point of intersection of two rays, one from below and one from above, a black and a white ray, to the same crumb, perhaps pecked at at once by the beaks of evil and good, one gave the bite, the other the kiss. Gwynplaine was this crumb, an atom, wounded and caressed. Gwynplaine was the product of fatality combined with providence. Misfortune has placed its finger on him. Happiness as well. To extreme destinies composed his strange lot. He had on him an anathema and a benediction. He was the elect, cursed. Who was he? He knew not. When he looked at himself, he saw one he knew not. But this unknown was a monster. Gwynplaine lived as it were beheaded, with a face which did not belong to him. This face was frightful, so frightful that it was absurd. It caused as much fear as laughter. It was a hell-concocted absurdity. It was the shipwreck of a human face into the mask of an animal. Never had been seen so total an eclipse of humanity in a human face. Never parody more complete. Never had apparition more frightful grinned in nightmare. Never had everything repulsive to woman been more hideously amalgamated in a man. 
the unfortunate heart, masked and calumniated by the face, seemed for ever condemned to solitude under it, as under a tombstone. Yet no, where unknown malice had done its worst, invisible goodness had lent its aid, in the poor fallen one, suddenly raised up by the side of the repulsive, it had placed the attractive. On the barren shoal it had set the lodestone. It had caused a soul to fly with swift wings towards the deserted one. It had sent the dove to console the creature whom the thunderbolt had overwhelmed and had made beauty adore deformity. For this to be possible it was necessary that beauty should not see the disfigurement. For this good fortune, misfortune was required. Providence had made Dea blind. Gwynplaine vaguely felt himself the object of a redemption. Why had he been persecuted? He knew not. Why redeemed? He knew not. All he knew was that a halo had encircled his brand. When Gwynplaine had been old enough to understand, Ursus had read and explained to him the text of Dr. Conquest De Danasatis, and in another folio, Hugo Plagan, the passage Nave Habens Mutilas. But Ursus had prudently abstained from hypotheses, and had been reserved in his opinion of what it might mean. Suppositions were possible. The probability of violence inflicted on Gwynplaine when an infant was hinted at, but for Gwynplaine the result was the only evidence. His destiny was to live under a stigma. Why this stigma? There was no answer. Silence and solitude were around Gwynplaine. All was uncertain in the conjectures which could be fitted to the tragical reality. Excepting the terrible fact, nothing was certain. In his discouragement, Dia intervened a sort of celestial interposition between him and despair. He perceived, melted and inspirited by the sweetness of the beautiful girl who turned to him, that, horrible as he was, a beautified wonder affected his monstrous visage. Having been fashioned to create dread, he was the object of a miraculous exception, that it was admired and adored in the ideal by the light, and, monster that he was, he felt himself the contemplation of a star. Gwynplaine and Dea were united, and these two suffering hearts adored each other. One nest and two birds, that was their story. They had begun to feel a universal law, to please, to seek, and to find each other. Thus hatred had made a mistake. The persecutors of Gwynplaine, whoever they might have been, the deadly enigma, from wherever it came, had missed their aim. They had intended to drive him to desperation. They had succeeded in driving him into enchantment. They had affianced him beforehand to a healing wound. They had predestined him for consolation by an infliction. The pincers of the executioner had softly changed into the delicately moulded hand of a girl. Gwynplaine was horrible, artificially horrible made horrible by the hand of man. They had hoped to exile him forever. First, from his family, if his family existed, and then from humanity. When an infant, they had made him a ruin. Of this ruin, nature had repossessed herself, as she does of all ruins. 
This solitude nature had consoled, as she consoles all solitudes. Nature comes to the succor of the deserted. Where all is lacking, she gives back her whole self. She flourishes and grows green amid ruins. She has ivy for the stones and love for men. Profound generosity of the shadows. End of section 50 of The Man Who Loves by Victor Hugo